If you have your Bibles, we want to ask you to turn to 2 Peter. We're going to look in chapter 3, and I pray that every woman in here, every little girl in here, that you had a wonderful Valentine's uh, Friday. If you didn't, just pray a little harder. Pray a little harder. God, God will work on them. God will work on them. Pray a little harder. <laughs> now, today's message is going to, uh, it's Part two will be next week. This is going to be part one of just for our thoughts today, what we can be certain about in this world. You know, we're still in this theme, Jesus, he's worthy of our devotion. And this is, I think, the eighth message. And, but today, this is part one on this, from this thought, uh, we, what we can be certain of in this world. I actually intended to be able to cover part one and part two today, but... The more studying I'd done, the more I was fed from the Lord, the less I was able to make it one message. And, and we, we pray that God will bless us with, with both messages. So you be praying. Today we're going to look in verses 1 through 7. And as you're turning there, you know, the founder of the Methodist Church, John Wesley, he once said, when I was young, a thou, when I was young, I was sure of everything. Y'all remember that? But after a few years, having been mistaken a thousand times, I was not half so sure of most things as I was before. And at present, I am hardly sure of anything except what God has revealed to me. Did we get that? Let me read that one more time. The founder of the Methodist Church, John Wesley, said, When I was young, I was sure of everything. But after a few years, having been mistaken a thousand times, I was not half so sure of most things as I was before. And at present, I'm hardly sure of anything except what God has revealed to me. We're living in a time when there's not a whole lot that we can be certain of. Paul, Peter, he helps us in this passage and today's message to, to notice a couple of things. The Bible says, beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the father fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this, they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. This is God's holy word. God, as we come before you, we pray that the words of my mouth 
and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. And that God, you would take these broken words and fix them, form them, fashion them in each heart. And if there's one that doesn't know you for the forgiveness of sin, we pray that this day you would minister to them and that they would call out, what must I do to be saved? God, if you don't do it, it won't be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we are, we are living in a time of, of uncertainties. There was a time when a person's word was their bond. It was, it was so that when someone told you something, you could be certain that it would come to pass. As a matter of fact, people didn't have to make promises often because what they said, they meant it. Well, sadly, it seems like that time has passed. Now, I know there are some individuals around that say what they mean and they mean what they say. And that they do their best to honor their word. But the truth is, that's just not the norm today. Now, politicians, businesses, pastors, and even friends and family seem to just tell us what we want to hear. Politicians are looking for votes for their special interests. Businesses, are, they try to hide the truth in the small print. The pastors are afraid of offending anyone. And family and friends are just trying to avoid confrontation. With few things that are certain in this world today, Peter wants to remind us in this passage of some things that we can be certain of. And first thing he shares in here that we can be certain of the testimony of the Holy Scriptures. If you look there in verses 1 and 2, we see just this, where he says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior. What Peter is is doing here is he's getting to the end of his second letter because in his first letter and now in his second, he's going to great lengths to remind, uh, to, to stir up the mind of his readers that, that he references here pure minds. He references the pure minds of his readers. It seems that he wants to warn us that while our minds are pure, while our minds are clear, while our minds are uncontaminated and focused, it's while our minds are free from the wanderings of impure thoughts. It's, it's before the enemy is able to consume our minds of so much stuff that, that we're unable to distinguish the truth from a lie that he wants to grab our attention. Peter tells us here that while our minds are pure, we should focus on the scriptures. Peter says that the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the, the apostles are of our Lord and Savior. What Peter is telling us here is that the writings of the prophet of old, the writings of the apostles of new, they, they're on equal footing. In other words, if we'll trust the words of the prophet and if we'll trust the words of the apostles, then our minds will not be so content contaminated by all the mess that this world throws at us. You know, I'm sure Peter could remember 
when his mind was contaminated by the world. I'm sure he could remember how Jesus told the disciples that all of them would stumble because of him that night. I'm sure Peter could remember how he declared to Jesus and the, that the others may stumble, but I will not stumble. I'm sure Peter remembered telling Jesus that, that, that uh, the others may stumble. He wouldn't. And I'm sure Peter remembered Jesus saying, Peter, before the rooster crows, you'll be denied me three times. You know, I'm sure Peter could remember stating to Jesus, and we see this in Matthew 26 and 35, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. I'm sure Peter remembered before the night ended that he became so filled with the world, his mind became so contaminated with anger, with fear and despair that he cursed while denying Jesus. I'm sure he remembered that after his third denial that he heard the rooster crow. Folks, I want us to understand that, that our minds are contaminated by this world when everything that, that we hear on the radio, everything we see on television, everything that's on the computers and on cell phones, our minds are filled with pollutants. Oh, and don't think, well, if I stay away from technology, if I stay away from electronics, I won't have to worry about my mind being polluted or I won't have to worry about being contaminated. Oh, if you go to ball games, if you go to beauty shops, if you go to barber shops, if you go to school, if you go to work, if you go to a store, if you go to a restaurant, your mind stands a chance of becoming contaminated by the things of the world. Romans 2, 12 and 2, it tells us that and do not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Folks, we may not be able, we may not be of this world, but we are living in this world. And as long as we're living in this world, contaminants and pollutants are all around. So our minds must be stirred. It must be stirred by the truth of the Holy Scriptures. Amen. Folks, we can only do this. It, it, the only way we can trust the testimony of Scriptures is that we spend time in the Scriptures. The Bible teaches us that we must delight in the law of the Lord. And in His law, we must meditate on it day and night. So we must fill our minds and our hearts with the Word of God. And I want to tell you this, and I know none of you do this. I'm, 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 just, I'm just throwing this out here for you to help someone else because I'm sure you're not guilty of it. But you can't lay the Bible beside your bed or you can't lay it under your pillow and the words of God come into your mind miraculously. It don't work that way. If you want to have the word of God in your mind and in your heart, get in the word of God. Read it, study it, meditate on it, and listen for God to tell you the truth of it. Peter warns us that we are to trust the Holy Scriptures because in a time filled with uncertainty, we can be certain of the testimony of the Scriptures. It's the one thing that we know we can be certain of is God's Holy Word. But he does share something else that we can be certain of. We can be certain there's scoffers in this world. Now, when he says scoffers, he's talking about those who are ridiculing the teachings of the Holy Scriptures. Peter tells us that these scoffers will come 
in the last days. We see this in verses 3 through verse 7. So that raises the question, if the scoffers are coming in the last days, uh, I see, I, I know the question on your mind. The question is, well, when's the last days? Well, according to Galatians 4 and 4, the Bible tells us, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman. So from this, what we know is that Jesus' birth, it ushered in a pivotal time in history. Since Jesus' birth, we have been in the last days. And, and it's this time we, we now know is a time between his incarnation, his coming into the world, and his return. And during his, in between his coming into the world as a babe and his return as a lion, we're, we're looking at the church age. We're not only looking at the church age, but we're looking at the end of the ages. We're looking at the end of times. And this is a time when God's grace and his mercy is extended through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, it testifies of this. As the writer shares that in various times and in various ways, God spoke by the prophets. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son. Well, how is he spoken to us by his son? Well, every time we open God's word, his son is speaking to us. How do we know that? Because the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. And then down in verse 14, he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Whenever we look into God's word, we see Jesus. I want to tell you, you can turn every page of the Bible and you can see Jesus. If you haven't seen him on that page, keep reading because he's there. If we want to hear from Jesus, don't wait for a prophet to tell you a revelation. Don't wait for some preacher to call you. Don't wait for some teacher to share something in class. Open up God's word and Jesus will speak to you. When we look here in this passage, these scoffers of the day, of Peter's day, and even the scoffers of our day, they have no idea what it means to be in the last days. I'm afraid many church-going folks fail to understand what it really means to be in the last days. Many feel that once Jesus returns, that's going to be it for things on earth. But to the contrary, the end of the last days or the end of age does not only signify the end of time, but it also signifies the beginning of a new time. Oh, I, I hope I don't have you confused. Just stay with me. What we fail to understand is that time as we know it will cease to exist, but time itself will never cease to exist. William Barclay said it this way, in biblical thought, the last time is the end of one age and the beginning of another. It is not only a time of ending, but it's a time of new beginning. Woo! Well, that makes me feel good. I'll tell you why in just a moment. He goes on to say, it is not only a time of destruction, but it's a time of recreation. It, it is last in the sense that things as they are pass away, but leads not 
to world obliteration, but world recreation. In other words, the last hour and the last days lead not to extinction, but it leads to consummation. Oh, folks, we're waiting on a consummation, aren't we? We're waiting on a new life and a new earth. Folks, it would do us good to understand that when the church age ends, when Jesus Christ splits the eastern sky, when he himself descends from heaven with the shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, the dead in Christ and those who remain will be called up to meet the Lord in the air and folks that's not the end because the Bible tells us a new life begins the word of God says we shall always be with the Lord he didn't say that's it it ends that's over but he says we're going to continue to go on but we'll be in his presence life on earth earth will cease to exist as we know it but life on earth will not cease to exist. A new life will begin. <laughs> For those who continued to reject Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, it's going to continue. It's going to begin with chaos. <laughs> it's going to continue through all this chaos. It's going to continue to go from chaos to deception and from deception to revelation. And it's going to move on from revelation to destruction, to terror, to pain, and to anguish. If you're found here, not accepting Jesus as your Savior, when Jesus comes, that's going to be your life. It's not going to stop, just a new life begins. But for those of us who've been born again, those of us who have believed on Jesus Christ, those of us who have received him as our Lord and Savior, life for us will cease to exist as we know it. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of man what God has prepared for those who love him. The life we know now, it's going to cease to exist, but it's going to start a life that we could not even imagine. Well, that ought to excite you today. You know why? Because the Bible tells us that he, he makes all things new. God himself has declared that he, that not only will he make all things new, but he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That there be no more death. There be no more sorrow. There be no more crying. There be no more pain for the former things have passed away. And, and folks, if that can't excite you, there's not a song singing on this side of earth that can excite us to know that there's coming a day. I had two shots put my knee on Monday to ease the pain that I've been walking with. But there's coming a day I'll never walk with pain again. There's coming a day I won't have to worry about heart health, Brother Eugene. There's coming a day when I won't take vitamins anymore. There's coming a day I might won't have to worry about my eyes going bad. There's coming a day when everything will be brand new. Oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When he takes me by the hand and leads me into his promised land. Oh, what a day. What a day that will be. Yes, instead of 
coming to terms, terms with this truth, scoffers and unbelievers, they continue to walk according to their own lust. It's easier for them to question why, why hasn't he come? It's easier for them to question that than to give up the lust of their flesh. As long as they can believe that there be no God to answer to, they can live a life filled with the pursuit of possessions and pleasure. And listen, there's nothing wrong with possessions. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. What's wrong is when stuff has you. The Bible tells us that, that this life is filled with pleasures, but it's only for a season. I want to tell you, I, I, I never started living till I come to know Jesus as my Savior. I laugh more now than I ever laughed before. And I don't have to have anything placed in my body that's going to make me inebriated to where I don't know what's going on or, or I'm laughing at nothing. I can laugh now just by the joy of the Lord and being with God's people. People would rather pursue money, homes, and land. They'd rather have popularity, honor, and recognition for their God than Jesus Christ. They choose a life of partying and drinking and sexual immorality to be their guide instead of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 19 through 21, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. If this is what we're chasing, I would encourage us to finish reading verse 21 when it says of which I tell you beforehand, just as I've also told you in times past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, these scoffers Peter is talking about are those who'd rather follow after their lust and scoff at the return of our savior than to accept his return and allow him to change our lives. I said last week that, that our prisons are trying to reform people and they're not going to do it. The only way they're going to change is if they have a transformation. Because a murderer is going to be a murderer. A rapist is going to be a rapist until he's transformed. A drunk will be a drunk until he's transformed. A drug, a drug addict will be a drug addict until he's transformed. And some clinic is not going to transform them. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe we need counseling in this world. I believe that we need those specialists to help people who are struggling with all sorts of things in this life. We need them. But more than we need them, we need Jesus. Amen. They will fight the battle every moment in their life until they're transformed. Scoffers, 
They use the idea that we've been teaching and preaching for over 2,000 years that Jesus is coming back, but he hasn't come. They'll say things upon the earth are out of control, but he hasn't come. Life has been getting progressively worse, but he hasn't come. Nothing has changed, so why should we hold hope that things will change? You know what they've forgotten? Is that life as we know it hasn't always existed. Things haven't always been the way that they are. The Bible teaches us that the earth was without form and void at one point in time. And when, though it was without form and it was void, the Bible teaches us that darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God resided hovering over the face of the waters. But I want to tell you, it's not like that anymore. It's not like that because in, in Genesis 3, the Bible says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. In Genesis 6, the Bible says that Genesis 1 and 6, then God said, let there be firmament. And in the midst of the waters, let it divide the waters from the waters. In verse 9, God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered uh, together into one place and let the dry land appear. And so it was, in other words, all the water that was together upon the face of the earth God said let it separate and it separated and we had dry ground God said let the earth bring forth grass God said let there be lights in the firmament God said in verse 16 that that, uh, God made uh, two great lights in verse 16 he made one to lead us by day and one to lead us by night in verse 20 God said let the waters abound with an abundance uh, with an abundance of living creatures In, in 24 God said let the earth let the earth bring forth its living creatures according to every kind in verse 26 God said let there let us make man in our image according to our likeness let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth when God said things changed seems how some of these scoffers when they look back and say well God said that he's coming back but he hasn't come back they're forgetting what happened when God said <laughs> let there be a heaven and let there be an earth. Somehow they've forgotten that even though the, that God created the heavens and the earth, they've forgotten that because of man's wickedness, God prepared to destroy the earth. Genesis 6, 5 through 7, the Bible tells us, then the Lord saw the, that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast. Creeping thing and birds of the air. For I am sorry I have made them. Listen, truth is this. It didn't take a lot of planning for God to create the heavens and the earth. It didn't take a lot of effort for God to create the heavens and the earth. It wasn't, he, the heavens and the earth was not created out of blood, sweat, and tears. Instead, God spoke and all things that were made were made. 
And likewise, it didn't take a lot of planning for God to destroy the earth. It didn't take a lot of effort for God to destroy this earth. And it wasn't a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that God shed to destroy the earth. So instead, God spoke and the floods came and the earth was destroyed. I'm telling you that because you need to know that there's power in the word of God. It's only through God's word that we receive comfort, peace, and joy. It's the power of God's word that we can have what the world can't give us through the word of God. It's in God's word that we find strength, grace, and mercy. It's through God's word that we receive power and that we receive life. We can't afford to scoff at the word of God. One thing's for certain is there will be scoffers. I encourage you, don't let it be you. Don't let it be you. Trust the testimony of the word of God. We can trust God's word. Right now, heaven and earth are preserved by the same word. The earth has not been destroyed by water again, and it will not be destroyed by water again. But the word of God, at the word of God, the earth will stand in judgment along with hell and the ungodly men. And while judgment is coming, we can remember just as Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Those of us who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Those who have believed he is the son of God. Will have grace extended to them. Romans 10 and 9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, he says you will be saved. The question is, do you believe? Do you believe Jesus, his word is true? Or do you believe the scoffers who says you got plenty of time? The greatest lie, the greatest deception Satan has put upon the earth is that we've got time. We've got time. We had three funerals here not too long ago. If I'm not mistaken... Around 93 years of age, around 81 years of age, and around 88 years of age. And also around 29 years of age. Never saw my granddad's live past 62. One died at 60, one at 62. My dad left here at 58, and my brother left here at 16. We don't know what time we have. We don't know if we have time to make it home. We don't know if we've got time to get to the parking lot. What we do know is that the word of God is true and if you don't make it to the parking lot 
but you know Jesus is your Savior, everything will be all right. But if you live to be 102 and you fail to acknowledge Jesus, everything will be all wrong. Because one day you will bow down before him. And when you bow down before him, not knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior, not having our advocate saying, this one's with me. Here's his name. Here's her name. You will hear and say, depart from me. The testimony of the scriptures are true. I would encourage you, let the scoffer scoff. And trust God's word. Would you today? As every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Would you today? Trust God's word. God's word says that if you would believe and confess. Believe he is the son of God. Confess him as your Lord and savior. Then you will be saved. You know when God created the world. Everything was in harmony with one another. Man, creation and God. But we messed that up. We messed it up. And God loved you so much that he come to your rescue. He come to my rescue. In that he sent his only begotten son to die in our place. For that if we would receive him as our savior, he would restore us back to God. Would you today allow Jesus to restore you? Because God's already created the world. We've, we have fallen. And Jesus has already come and died for you. Now the question is. Will you allow. Will you allow Jesus to restore you to the father. If you would pray with me would you God. I recognize that I'm lost. And in need of a savior. I recognize, God, that your son is the savior of the world. That he lived a sinless life. He died for my sins. He was buried, and on the third day, he arose. God, he's left us the promise he's coming back. God, I receive him as my savior. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me a Savior. Now help me to serve you. In Jesus' name. Oh, if you prayed this prayer and you believe it in your heart. Oh, you can be saved today. Matter of fact, if you believe this in your heart and you're ready to confess it, would you come and share with me today that you've received Jesus as your Savior?